I want a very familiar passage, but I really want a passage to hit us today and the ramifications of it. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. One of the basic tenets of the Christian faith is that Jesus Christ is divine, co-equal with the Father and the Spirit. He has existed from the beginning. In Bethlehem of Judea, he entered our world as one of us. He taught us, lived among us, laughed and cried with us, and then died for us. Resurrected on the third day, he still lives, interceding for us in heaven and walking with us in spirit. What we want to look at today is the name given to Jesus in that passage. Jesus is the word. How much pain we could have avoided had we just listened to the scripture define what the word of God is and that it's not a what, it's a who. It is Jesus. So instead of searching constantly for more rules and legalisms, we would have just followed Jesus. Jesus, in this passage, is the word. Jesus is God's way of communicating with us. He is the message from God. He's the message that we've all been waiting for. Many of you, really the younger set, don't really understand what it means to wait for a message. You think you do, because you texted somebody and they've not responded in five minutes. And you begin to wonder, what happened? Did they die? In 10 minutes, if they've not responded, they should die. <laughs> and it's hard to even imagine 25 years ago, if you were across the world, you'd write a letter, then you'd have to go buy a stamp, you'd have to find a place to post it, be seven to ten days before it made it to the person. And then if they wrote on that day and responded, another seven or ten days before you got the response, you wait by the mailbox. You wait for that response. The world had been waiting for God to speak. And when God spoke, he spoke through Jesus. The very message we needed, we hoped for, but never dreamed it would actually be true. At one time, if we wanted to talk to God, all we had to do was wait until night because in the evening, God came to walk with us in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had a connection to God that boggles the mind, doesn't it? Just thinking, ooh, it's nearly evening. God's going to come and we can walk in the garden and talk together. Wouldn't you love this? So we sing songs about, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And part of that song has... It has a deep spiritual meaning, obviously, but part of it is also a longing. Don't you wish you had that kind of access to God? But you see, that got broken. It got broken the same way it gets broken today. Adam and Eve began to let other voices drown out the voice of God. They let other voices get into their head. In the Song of Solomon, the woman who praises her great lover says he keeps the little foxes out of her garden. And that's another way of saying it. He keeps the garden pure and doesn't let invaders come in to ruin it. 
Christ wants to be the word of God in our life, but we live in a noisy world, do we not? There are always sounds, always noises, always little pings, always little notifications that you've got something else to pay attention to. And those noises crowd out God. It's kind of like in a marriage. You take vows, and I've done a lot of weddings, and during the weddings, they are looking at each other intently. What happens is very often other voices and noises and their eyes get off of each other and their ears listen elsewhere. Scripture warns us about that. For Adam and Eve, it broke the relationship. They were cast out of the garden. God no longer walked with them in the evening. Now outside, blocked from returning. They might have assumed that the relationship between God and mankind was forever broken, but no. God continued to reach out to us in a stunning variety of ways. Take a look at these two passages out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go to chapter 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the prophets, at many times, various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard. Listen to the voices, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how should we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed by us who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonderful wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Think about it. Patriarchs, priests, prophets, judges, kings, preachers, men and women, all throughout history came to us, artists, songwriters, all trying to get the word of Jesus, or word of God to us. God tried everything, and then he sent a direct message. He sent Jesus, his word. Jesus not only told us of God, he is the very word of God. He, he is, in fact, according to Hebrews chapter 1, the exact image of God. God did not want this message to be garbled. It's fascinating, is it not? We have more ways of communicating now than we've ever had, and yet we tend to become divided because none of them are perfect. Face-to-face -face is still the best. We email, we text, we do Facebook messages, and yet people wonder, well, what does that mean? So Jesus comes as a direct message from God. He is the very guarantor of God's good intentions for us, his love, his kindness. That's very, very, very good news. Do you remember last week, I shared a very personal story with you about my son who, as a Marine, had the most against a deserter. But when the deserter walked in the door, he was the first to get up and walk over, put his arms around her, and hold her. And it shamed me because I didn't know what my response would be. But it wasn't that. And I realized that's what it was supposed to be. He was the one on the line 
He was the one who could have resented, but he stepped forward to embrace. We were the ones who deserted God. We were the ones who listened to other voices. We ran off with other lovers, and then God comes to the earth, and it could have been the old 1960s songs, my boyfriend's back and you're, going, you're, you're in trouble. But no, he came and embraced us. He said, this is who I am. Why are you listening to other voices? When God says, and I heard this a lot when I was growing up, because we read the Bible, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I found it hard to believe. Because we were told, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, but only a couple of you are going to make it. And we're a little concerned about one of them. God's arms, we've always been afraid that there's a, there's a catch. It's kind of like commercials. There's always a catch. We're afraid there's a catch. We hear so many sermons about our failures. We hear so many sermons about the wrath of God. We see Christians argue and divide about issues, break off fellowship with each other. We don't excommunicate anymore. We unfriend and unfollow. But you see it all the time. I get invited to these arguments constantly. This week alone, I've received several emails saying, when are you going to step up and talk about the immigration issue? And it's on one side or the other. And they're certain I'm on their side. People, I'm not on anybody's side. I belong to Jesus. And it's complicated. If your religion has a simple answer for something, it's probably wrong. Jesus isn't a Republican or a Democrat. Do I need to go through the rest of them? He's not Green Party or Libertarian or... Jesus is the king. It's our job to conform to him, not make his words conform to us. Therefore, listen to God. What does God have to say? And stop dividing. We can be certain of certain things in this world. We can be certain that God loves us and he has our best interest at heart. Why? How can we be certain? Because look at Jesus. You wonder what, what God thinks of you? Look at Jesus. You wonder what God sounds like? Listen to Jesus. You wonder what God does or what God thinks about women in that situation, men in that situation. Look at Jesus. That's the message we're supposed to get. Now, I love Paul. Don't get me wrong. I read Paul. I believe Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I grew up knowing a whole lot more about Paul than I did Jesus. There's something wrong with that. We need to know about Jesus before we can understand Paul. We need to focus on Jesus. Jesus demonstrated his love toward us by the way he loved us. Samaritans, fallen women, fallen men, men and women of no status, with no right to enter the temple. What did he do? He loved the occupied and the occupier. He loved the stranger and the citizen. The miracles that surrounded Jesus, the scripture said, weren't there to take away all of our death and all of our suffering. They were there to make a point. They were there to show his love, his forgiveness, and his power. I know what people are like. I'm one of you. My father always worried about that, frankly. He would, even as a boy, he'd, he'd look over at me and say, Patrick, as an outsider, what do you think of the human race? And I'm going, um, what? Sorry? Yeah, it was an interesting life. It's, so, it's, a, it's amazing. I haven't climbed a tower with a rifle. But it's early days. You know, it's still good. 
There are people in this room right now that think they have sinned so much that God could not forgive them. And my response to you is, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That Jesus hung on the cross and did all that, but that wasn't quite enough for what you did. Really? You think he's up there and he sees you and he goes, oh, I didn't think about that one. We didn't cover that one. He's not stupid and his love is not incomplete. But then there are others of you that think, yes, God forgave me, but I'll always be, in his eyes, a second, third, or fourth class kid. No. Have you read the Old Testament? Can you find a healthy, well-adjusted individual that God used and loved? If you are broken, shattered, and a complete psychological mess, welcome home. That's who God needs. By the way, I should have preached on hell today because the air conditioning's not keeping up. And I'm seeing people do this. They, they'd be back there thinking, you know, he's good. Are we fit? We? Feels hot in here. I want, I want you to take a look at another John chapter 1. But this one's 1 John. One of those wee books in the back. It's, uh, by the way, read 1 John sometime. And just go through it and mark all the times he says, we know. Or we are certain. It's amazing. But anyway, first four verses of the book of 1 John. That which was from the beginning. Well, that sounds familiar. That which we've heard which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He was one of the last eyewitnesses as he wrote this in his 90s. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life. Do you remember John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4? In him was life. He gives the gift of life. We can tell you eternal life is here, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I like that. It doesn't say to make your joy complete. It's our joy. Why? Because if you know this, you will have such joy, that means we're happy. I see so many angry people, upset people, depressed people, people that felt they've been left out of life's lottery. People, if you won $100 million today, first of all, I hope we're friends, but if you won $100 million today, everything you buy will either burn up or rot. But eternal life is forever. You've already won. But let's take a look at what John asked you to do. He says, let's step up. Let's believe this. Let's act like we believe what we believe. And let's once again walk with Jesus. Same chapter, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. Now, here is one of the few times I can say this. The King James has a real good thing on this. We make fun of the King James sometimes, and it's not the world's best translation, no matter what anybody tells you. But all those uths in it are clues. When it says an uth, it means a continuing action. That's why he that believeth 
and is baptized. It's not baptizeth, because that's not continuing. That's a one time. But he who believeth continues to believe. There's a, there's a continuing word here. If you walk with Jesus, his blood continually purifies you of all sins, purifies us. us. It is, um, it cleanseth us, is the way King James puts it. It's amazing. And I've had people read that, and it's right in front of them, and they're saying, yes, but you got to make sure you're walking in the light, or he won't. No, no, don't you see this? We're walking in the light and still making mistakes because he's purifying us as we walk in the light. You're going to sin. Going to happen. Don't be surprised. You can be ashamed. You can be sad. You can do all that. But then realize, I'm purified. I'm clean. Keep walking. Have you ever tripped? Of course you have. Did you ever trip and say, well, that's it. I'm done walking. (laughs) Fair enough. You do see them sometimes in the mall, three-year-olds that are just dragging. And you're just being... (laughs) Thing. Nope, tried it, didn't work. But we're grown-ups. So you trip, so you fall, so you got muddy. Wash up, get up, face forward, walk. You're in the light. You're with Jesus. Things are different now. It's good news now. Verse 8, same, same book. Let's go there. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So those of you that are thinking, well, I haven't tripped. Seriously? You just did. I had a, I had a, when I was a kid... I was talking to a girl about, you need to come to church. And she's going, why? And I said, well, Jesus forgives us of our sins. And she goes, I've never sinned. And I went, well, you just did. There it was. <laughs> the Bible says we've all sinned. She didn't buy it, and I didn't know any of the names, so I kind of we're done with the conversation. If you've stepped into darkness, go tell him you stepped into darkness. He's not going to go, again? Here's the thing. The Bible says... He forgets our sins. Our sins he will remember no more. In fact, he even uses the word blotted out. Oh, I love this word. It's a picture word. They used to, they didn't have paper to write in school. You'd have this shallow pan of wax. And you'd write in it with a stick. And whenever you're done with your lesson, the teacher would make the corrections and such. And then hold the pan over the fire for the wax to run together so that you could do a new lesson. And the word for the wax running together to where it is unreadable is the word God uses for what he does with your sins. So how many times will God forgive you? Once. But to him, it's always the first time. Deal with it. It's good news. It just... I had a man once that was going to ruin his marriage because he was always walking around. Why would such a pretty woman be with me? That just doesn't make sense. And I'm going, shut up and enjoy it. <laughs> Don't make her start worrying and wondering herself, thinking, what did I miss? What does he know I don't know? God wants to walk with you. You've got sin. He knows that. He knows it. And you have life. Take a look at verse 2. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, how much should you hold against other people? No, if God doesn't hold it against them, don't you? Let it go. Why is it we feel we need to be outraged about something? 
That's all news is. It's the outrage du jour. He says, huh, did you see what they did? Are you kidding? Have you seen what I did? God's not holding it against me. I'm not holding it against them. Let's just walk forward. Isn't this good news? How about, let's go to the next passage here. Chapter 2, verses 5 and 10. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is made complete in them. That's how we know we're in him. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. That verse, verse 10, troubled me greatly growing up because in our church, love was not enough. In fact, we couldn't sing that, that modern hippie worship song. That's what they called it. Love, 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 love. The gospel in one word is love. Because they said, no, the gospel is much more than that. There's baptism, and then there's faithfulness. And, and they, literally, they did. We couldn't sing that song. We were told if you sang it, you, you moved to San Francisco or something. I'm not sure what happened. But it went, it went sideways badly. But you look here, and it says, if you love your brother and sister, you're in the light. Why do we make it complicated? Why do we make this so hard? There's no need for it. Love one another. Love God, love others. That should keep you busy. God, think about every situation you're in. God is where love is. Go there to walk with him. How's that? God is where love is. Not where justice is. Not where getting your way, getting your revenge. None of that. God is where love is. Go where the love is. That's where he'll be. And then take a look at this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. We're going to stop right there, then we're going to go back and read. The word for world here does not mean place and things. It is not the word for bunnies and flowers. You're, you're allowed to like bunnies and flowers. If there's a beautiful sunrise tomorrow, you're not supposed to stand out there and go, well, I can't stand that because that's uh, it's, oh, not in the world, but it's shining on the world. No. It is a system world word, a time word. It means the way the world does things. Don't get wrapped around the axle of the world. Don't like doing things the way the world does things. One of the first people I met when I moved to Franklin, I asked him, he was a member of the church, I asked him, well, what do you like, now that you're retired, what do you do? He literally told me his hobby was arguing over the internet, and he was serious, and he thought that's what God wanted him to do. No, it isn't. In fact, there are, God has plenty of arguers on the internet already. We don't need another one. Don't love the world. Don't play by the world's rules. And then everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Wow. What do you think about President Taft? Me neither. So why should we be so worried about politics now? Every politician has one thing in common. They're either dead or will be. <laughs> so why worry about temporary stuff? It's like it's raining today, the world is over. No, nope, today's not the last one, probably. So we're good. We're good. Don't panic. Move forward. We don't, we don't attach ourselves to the world. My time's running out and my thoughts aren't, so I've got to keep... 
Walking with Jesus is critical because he is God's message to us. He's our contact with the divine. He's our Lord and Savior. We don't need an earthly one. Chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God. Now notice what he doesn't say. If he was a preacher, he would have gone, if you are a child of God. He goes, no, you're a child of God. What we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, we don't know about heaven and as such yet. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I love that because that's a complete reversal of the way we think. We think he will love us because we will be more like him. He's saying, no, you're going to really like him when you meet him. Wait till you meet this guy. You're going to get along great. Has anybody ever told you that before? Wait till God shows up in your house. You guys are going to love him. You guys are going to get along so great. And yet, God tried to show us that. He sent us Jesus and gave him the most common name in the first century. Jesus was basically the same name as Joshua and Jacob. That was everybody's name. It's like walking into a stadium in Scotland and saying, John, Ian, Alistair, Alec, out. Every male leaves. There, there are so few first names used there. So my mother gives me an Irish one. So that went well. Anyway. The point here is, he gave us a common name and said, just call me Joe, and plays on the floors with our kids, and that's God. He's saying, be confident. You're saved. Deal with it. Do you remember when you were a kid and you followed your dad or somebody older through the snow or across the stream? You tried to put your feet where they put their feet. That was smart. You tried to walk where they walked. Do that with Jesus, and you're going to be okay. Look at chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So now we know, not hope, know, and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. That is not exclusive. That is inclusive. Deal with it. I added that bit. That's not in there. And God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. One who fears is not made perfect in love. God's not interested in punishing you. Isn't that good news? That's a relief. So our song should be ones of rejoicing and happiness. Thank God that they are here. I need to close it down because some of you want to go to starting point. Some of you weren't wanting to go, but now just anything to get you out to the... Um, we often call the Bible the Word of God, and it is in part, and, and, and in a way, it's the Word of God. It was absolutely given to us by the Spirit of God, and it absolutely helps us understand our story, our place in the universe. But Jesus is the one in Scripture called... The Bible itself calls the Word of God. And like those in the transfiguration, we need to remember, hear ye him. Look at him. And that's why the writer of that Revelation painted Jesus coming on a horse, riding in to save us, and written on him is the name, the word of God. He is here, and it's good news. In the old days, you used to have very elaborate uniforms, things popping off and golden braid and feathers and all the other 
Why? So people knew where to go. That's our guy. Run there. You'd have big flags up there. Go to that flag. That's our people. You'd have shields with certain crests on them. Oh, I see that shield or a battle cry. Go to that place. That's our rally. That's our place. The word in English, slogan, comes from the Gaelic, the, the, the old Highland Scots, for war cry. That was, that's our place. Go there. By the way, your Americans are the ones that ended all that because you invented rifling and a gun barrel used to be muskets. You'd fire it, and somewhere out there, something would get hit. You guys rifled it so that you shot what you aimed at, and therefore, all of a sudden, the officers didn't want to be fancy anymore. <laughs> Hi, I'm... There he goes. And anyway, so that was... So you guys made the world less pretty. I just hope you're proud of yourself. Fewer peacocks leading armies anymore. But Christ comes with his shield and his weapon, and he is the word of God. God gives us our sense of place, our value, where we stand. So the scripture says, we know, 1 John 5, 20, also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know who is true. We are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God. He is eternal life. We'll let the band come up back up as I just read Colossians 3. We read Colossians 3 a lot when I was growing up, but we read it trying to make a rule about singing in there, which isn't in there. And that's, that's sad. We miss the greater point. We miss that the word, word, was in there. So would you stand as I read Colossians 3, 15 through 17? It's our admonition for the week. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the heart, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the whole church says...